Hi everyone, Lucy Kippis here. I'm the editor of Flying Solo and this episode of our podcast is brought to you by our Be Well initiative and Yellow. From doing the books to doing it all, running your own business is a huge task. Take a load off with Yellow. From a website that stands out on Google to social ads that get you found, Yellow can grow your business online while you're busy growing your business. Plus, right now, Yellow can also help you take a holiday. Earn up to 60,000 Qantas points for your business across a range of eligible Yellow digital marketing solutions. Head to yellow.com.au to get started. T's and C's apply. Now, on to the show. When it comes to wellness in the small business space, not many people know more than small business mental health advocate Leanne Faulkner. After a personal experience of burnout, after the explosive success of her Billy Goat Soap brand in 2011, Leanne has made lots of changes and has decided to focus on helping other people to avoid what she's experienced. She now runs a business coaching consultancy, Fortitude at Work. Leanne, welcome to the Flying Solo podcast. It's wonderful to have you on our show. Oh, thanks, Lucy. Thanks for having me. It's hard to know really where to start um, when it comes to talking with you about wellness. Um, As I mentioned in my intro, you've had your own personal experience of burnout as a small business owner, and that's really gone on to shape the direction of your work. When you look back at that time now, which I think you said that that all occurred around 2011, is that right? Yeah, uh, 12, 11, 12, yes. Yeah. What do you think stands out now looking back um, what stands out the most in terms of thinking about what was going on for you at that time? Uh, that's such a good question. Um, you have me reflect on that. Um, I think it's probably looking at um, how much, how fortunate I've been to have the opportunity to look back and reflect on that period um, because I see it so differently now that I'm not in it. And I guess the key thing that was the the main takeaway was I've come to realise that I am not my business and that um, I know now that businesses go up and down, they survive, they fail. There's a whole range of things that happen in businesses, but that doesn't necessarily make me good, bad, or indifferent. I am who I am. I'm a good person. I'm a valued part of society regardless of what goes on with the business. And I think I've got that message now. Mm, That's an extraordinary, it's extraordinary thought. Um, And when you started to experience, I mean, it's, it's okay to call it burnout, isn't it? A breakdown, burnout. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Who was the first person to sort of notice? Was it you or was it uh, someone else around you? Oh, it was me for sure. I was clearly in denial for a very long time. I kept telling myself that everything will be okay and I can handle this. I've got this. Um, But what really happened over time was that a bad day became a bad week and then a bad week became a bad month and then I had a bad quarter. And um, I kind of started to take stock. And I think the other person who did notice what was going on and managed it so beautifully was my husband, John. He, um, he really did see. But apart from that, um, I became very, very good at hiding reality and what was really happening for me with everyone else around me. So John knew, um, but nobody, even my, my mother didn't know uh, what was going on for me because I had 
I just felt it was important to put on this brave face and not worry anyone and and not scare anybody. And uh, like, did you when you're saying that you hid it? Did you, in a way, hide it from yourself as well? Oh, oh yes, oh yes. I told myself that, like I said, it was I was just having a bad day, and um, I'm a small business person. I'm an entrepreneur, and we all know that. Um, that they're highly resilient and highly creative and they can take care of anything. And um, and I just, uh, I, I would catch myself, you know, saying the cliches and the, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and, and all of these things. And um, in the end, though, nothing was actually helping me. So what I began to notice was that I was um, just not coping with anything related to work. Uh, I was avoiding phone calls. I was not wanting to have conversations that I probably should have had earlier than I did. Um, When it got to the real pointy end of the business, you know, like when the business was really struggling, I would be in um, meetings with our accountant and I'd go with John. He was my support person, I guess. And um, I would probably, I would spend the whole meeting just really in tears. Um, And I was really grateful that I had John because what he did was he listened through the whole conversations when I was clearly unable to. And then when we got home and I was a little bit more composed and I was ready to hear you know, what we were going to do. John was almost like my translator. He would mm. say, well, in the meeting, this is what happened. And um, that's something I've been talking about quite a bit lately is this idea of having a support person um, that either can advocate for you on your behalf or is someone that can just go with you and and, and you, know, you can put them on speakerphone. They can join in conversations and and remember things that you might otherwise forget because you're feeling a bit stressed. And what an amazing thing that is to have in that primary relationship in your life. Like that must be that must be very rare, I would say. Um, oh, I certainly hope not. Yeah. Um, I, I hope that that's not the case. But um, you're right. Um, if I had had a partner who either joined me in my worry or added to my worry, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm a bit, yeah, I, I'm a bit frightened to even think about what that outcome may have been. But mm-hmm. what I had was a partner who saw that um, right at that point in time when I was feeling my most stressed and my most anxious, that his job was purely just to keep me safe and to support me until I navigated my way back to health. Mm. Um, it was not his job to remind me that we had the house on the line or we had the kids in school or, you know, none of those things um, would have been helpful at that time and, and he didn't do that. He just basically reassured me that right here, right now, I was safe and that um, we would get through this and I'm so grateful that I did have that. That's wonderful. And also I, I was just thinking then, I suppose it's also really important if you're a wonderful support like John seems like he was not to try and solve it either for you because I suppose you can't you can't solve this um, experience for someone 
And that's such a really, really good point, Lucy, because I think when you love somebody so much and you care for them, it might be your brother or it might be a neighbour or friend or whatever, you really, you want to, the, the first human reaction is I've got to save them in some way. I've got, mm. I've got to take the pain away. But in fact, um, it's not about solving their problems. It's really about being able to listen with unconditional positive regard. So mm. listen without comment, listen without making suggestions because, you know, look, I'm a responsible grown-up woman um, who's spent my whole life making, I think, some pretty wise decisions. Um, so I am capable of doing that, but sometimes I just need that ear to listen to me so that I have some space to process myself. And and certainly if I want help, then I'll ask for it. But if I don't, if I just need some space to process, then I really do value having that person who can listen without wanting to jump in and tell me what to do. Because the risk with that is that sometimes the underlying message is, you're not capable, let me fix it. Yes. Um, and certainly that doesn't help, even when it comes from a loving place. And I know that most often it does. So even when it comes from a loving place, the underlying message is you're just not capable. I'll tell you what to do. Yeah. Uh, and we want to avoid that in times of high stress and anxiety. Absolutely. So what, what did recovery look like for you once that got started? Um, well, I think the very first step was um, I, I became brave. Um, I stepped out of denying that something was wrong and I got brave enough to recognise that I actually wasn't coping here. And I stood back and looked at all the signs that told me I wasn't coping and they were they just all added up. You know, I, I was snapping at my kids a lot. Uh, I was eating a lot more than I would normally. I wasn't sleeping and I was not present at any family events or dinners. My body was present, but my mind wasn't. My mm. mind was focused on work. And even when I was at work, I was um, crying quite a bit and leaving meetings unexpectedly. I was doing a lot of things that kind of all added up to, to not being able to cope. And so what that meant was um, I got to a point where I was physically unable to go to work or face anything to do with work. So if I had an email or I had a phone call, someone left me a message on my phone, I just didn't, um, I, I didn't return it. I just went into avoidance. So, wow. um, and so that meant that I just, I got brave and I went and sought some help. I went and saw a professional, um, spoke to my doctor, went and saw a professional uh, counsellor. And after many, many, many um, very frank discussions, um, he helped me to build a road to recovery. And um, then I had to think about, uh, I actually was off work for quite um, quite a period of time. John stepped in and ran the business, which was great. And um, um, then I had to think about how was I going to get back to work? How was I going to return to work after a long period of being out of work, really? Mm, amazing, extraordinary journey, I'm sure. And I'm wondering, given your own experience of it, is it something that you can now see quite easily in other people? Uh, yes, yes, I definitely can. And um, I, I I spend a lot of time talking, but I call them red flags. They've got all sorts of 
terms for them. But I spent a lot of time talking about those things. And um, and nowadays, I'm certainly not afraid to have a conversation with other small business owners about how they're feeling at the moment and, and what's going on. I'm, I'm not afraid to have those conversations um, because I don't think in all the years now that I've worked in the mental health of small business owners, I don't think I've ever offended anybody by asking if they're okay. Mm. Um, and the more I do that, the more I guess confident I am that it's okay to have those very heart-to-heart -heart conversations because even if somebody says to me, oh, no, look, I'm fine, I just, you know, I didn't sleep last night because the kids were watching a loud TV show or something. Um, but what I've actually done then in that instance is I've signaled to that person that I'm not afraid to go there and I'm not afraid to reach out and connect with them. And, um, and I, yeah, I look for signals in others nowadays. Um, and certainly I'm not a counsellor, although I have done quite a number of courses that have helped me to work in this mental health space. Um, but I don't have any fear that, oh, gee, you know, I might start something I can't close or I don't know how to handle. Mm. Um, there's many ways that we can actually be present to people in their uh, periods of stress and anxiety without even having to have those professional skills. So, Yes, completely agree. I think that a shared experience and a shared understanding of that small business journey and all the stresses yeah. and the joys that come of it is... Um, yeah is you know a huge starting point uh now you now wear many hats you are a phd student is that right i got that right yes, yeah. I am. <laughs> <laughs> and you were also a, a major or are a major contributor to um a federal government yes. initiative called my business health which is a website i just wondered if you could tell us a bit about that because i think it's a great resource for our flying solo community and be good to get to know a bit more about what, what that is and what that offers? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I guess, you know, when I had my struggles as a result of the um, after effects of the GFC, really, um, I would sit at the computer and put in you know, small business owner and stress or small business owner and depression and, and be quite surprised if there was no resources out there for me as the owner of the business. Mm. Um, there was a lot out there for employees and to support the general public, but there really wasn't anything out there for me. And, and I felt that my needs were fairly special given that I almost felt responsible for my employees, for my customers, for my suppliers. Um, I had this weight of the world on my shoulders, but nothing out there to help me. So um, that kind of started me in this space of, and that's about eight years ago, seven years ago now, oh my goodness, wow. started me in this space. Um, and today we have a number of different wonderful resources together and available to small business owners. And, um, and I've been very fortunate in that I've actually participated in um, consulting and helping to develop pretty much all all of them. So the Heads Up program um, is one with Beyond Blue. The Ahead for Business is another great resource mm. um, for uh, small business owners. And that actually kind of led into the development of this new portal called My Business Health. And that's actually part of the Australian Small Business Family Enterprise Ombudsman website so asbfeo.gov.au website and what it is it's um, a portal that allows small business owners to really take stock of 
both their business health and their own health. And they can make the choice as to where they want to draw resources from and for what part of their business or themselves they want. So it's not necessarily a mental health site. It's a my my business health, my own health site, um, and you can draw on whatever bits are relevant to you and your business when you recognise what type of help you need, I guess. Mm, sounds amazing. And I'll make sure that we link off to to the website in the article for the podcast. Um, oh, fantastic. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about quickly before we have to wrap things up is sure. your walk, sorry, your work and walk program. And it, from what I understand, it's sort of a, a bit of a mentoring service that you offer in your own local community and you're based um, around the Central Coast in New South Wales. Um, can you explain what, what, what the program is and what it does? Yeah, for sure. Well, I offer a service, you're exactly right, it's actually called Walk and Work. Mm-hmm. And um, what it is, is because I work uh, in the wellbeing sector for small business and I've also, I, I lecture in small business growth for the University of Newcastle, I, I realised that I needed to um, put both of those areas together. And um, I, I know that uh, physical exercise, being out in the fresh air, sun on your face, uh, and getting some movement happening is actually really good for your well-being and your mental health. But more importantly, as a small business owner, it's really good for creativity. So it really stimulates some creative thought and problem-solving abilities. So um, I thought, okay, well, I know walking is really valuable, and I often do, um, you know, business. Uh, development work I guess so I offer a service where um, I meet up with small business owners one-on-one we head out we go for a 45 minute walk and talk about anything that they are feeling challenged with or want to you know bounce something off a person confidentially about in, in regards to the growth of their business and we just talk business really for 45 minutes and then we end up back at our meeting spot and They've probably got a few strategies or ideas that they can put in place. Um, It's completely up to them how they use the content of our conversation in that 45 minutes, but it's um, sort of hitting two birds with one stone, I guess. Mm, Absolutely. um, Yeah, So, and it's proving to be quite popular here on the coast. I bet it would be because, I mean, yeah. yeah, to my mind it, you know, it's covering off two really important things. One, exercise, which we all know we need to do more of or commit to, um, and communication. And often I think when you're walking or doing something else as you're talking to someone, it's much easier to sort of just let the words flow. You're you're a bit less restricted than perhaps sitting over a cup of coffee or sitting in front of someone, you know. You're a bit more relaxed in your body, which I think probably helps the conversation. Exactly. And there's no um, other commitment. It's it's very much an on-the-spot thing. So um, it it begins and it ends, you know, within that 45-minute framework. And like I said, you do with it what you choose to do with it. So there's no homework. There's no pre-prep work. There's none of that. It's really up to how, you know, you want to use that, that discussion. Sounds wonderful. And Leanne, before we finish up, I wanted to ask you, I mean, this podcast is part of a series that we're running for our new um, wellbeing section on Flying Solo that's just for our small business yep. community. And I was wondering what your sort of non-negotiable is when it comes to your own health and wellness now. 
Um, What do you do that's sort of a daily practice or a weekly practice that you just can't skip in order to feel good? Great question. Um, I walk. I mean, yes, I do walk work, but I actually walk every morning. I have a young dog. Uh, We bought him as a puppy, and so he's very young and youthful. He's a couple of years old now. (laughs) Um, but he's actually my motivation to get out the door every day. I have to take him for a walk, so I use him as my excuse. But I also know that if I don't walk every day, it's a bit like brushing my teeth, you know, it's it's kind of making an investment in my mental health. So my non-negotiable is a daily walk. Sounds great. Leanne, you have so much to offer um, our community, so I'd encourage everyone to go and check out um, your website. Is the website the best place for you now or LinkedIn? What do you prefer? Yeah, look, people find me all over the over the shop. So your website, LinkedIn, Instagram, Fortitude at Work is, um, is me, Leanne. So, yeah. Wonderful. And thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, well done, Lucy, too. I, I really do think that the um, this whole Be Well initiative is very timely and very needed. I'm so happy that we're having this conversation. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much.